Alright everybody, welcome back to the 32nd Drunk Friend Podcast. As always, we're your host, I'm Trav, aka Ness Friend, way out there in uh, the desert. Sness Drunk, Alex, how you doing buddy? Oh, this isn't the desert, we got snow. Oh, snow that's this right. week, snow! How did you get snow? I didn't. I if you had asked me uh, if if it were even possible to snow in the entire state of New Mexico, I would probably have said no. It snowed, but it's <laughs> fine because it snowed, and uh, you know we have mountains out here, so of course it's going to snow, and huh. some of the the heavy weather from the mountains is going to carry over to the city. Works for me, uh, because the snow usually melts <laughs> within like. 48 hours of it snowing. It's fun that, you know, we're not even 23 seconds into this podcast. We've already brought up old man talk. We're already talking about the weather. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't I didn't think we could make it go come that fast. Let's call let's talk about growing tomatoes. Oh, here like, we go again. Tomatoes, oh, tomatoes. Yeah, there we go. Uh so, <laughs> you know, some some big news your way. You're you're about to transition uh your life. You're about to uproot and and, and move or something. Yeah. Uh, that's the idea. Yeah, we the might idea. have, uh, we might be moving soon. Uh, uh, that's my girlfriend Pearl and I, and Clyde and Ulysses and the dogs and I. Yeah. We might be, uh, getting a house out here soon. We're, we've been renting for the past, uh, jeez, five years hmm. <laughs> since we moved out here. So, God, it's, it's 2020. I just realized that now, huh? It's you just realized it. it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, buddy. It's been 2020 for nine years. Imagine that. Yeah, that's what it feels like. Yeah, but um, yeah, no, I I hope to uh, get a house soon. That'd cool. Be, that'd be cool. That'd be fun. Yeah. Well, congrats and good luck and all that. Thanks. It it, it might be fun. Uh, it might suck because you know there's a lot of resp- There's a lot of adulting. Yeah. You know, involved in that, and there's a lot of uh, responsibility involved in that. And I'm you can not do good it with those things. Nah, you got this. You really? Got this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I don't really know you that well, but yeah, you might, you might have it. <laughs> Come on, I'll be fine. <laughs> See, I knew, I knew you had it in you. I got you, now. I got you on my side. You're fine. I got. I'll, I'll have a garage. That's all you garage, need. And I'll have like a workbench, and I'll be able to be like, I'll make Tim Tim Allen sounds and stuff like that. I'll be, I'll be real man. <laughs> you just be grunting a lot and wearing uh, uh, flannel. Uh, I love it. Uh, speaking of grunting a lot and wearing flannel, do you have any Halloween plans? No, not really. No, um, we'll just be, uh, we're, we will have uh, a couple of people over just to hang out and, uh, watch some bad movies with and stuff like that. We love bad movies. We love mystery science theater. We love bad, uh, horror movies and, you know, the old hammer films with, you know, uh, Frankenstein and Dracula and that sort of stuff. Cool. So, That'll be fun. What about you? What plans do you have? You know, we're trying to salvage as many plans as possible. I think a movie is definitely in the works. I would say most of the world will probably just be watching a scary movie on Halloween night uh, this go around. Mm. But, um, and I don't know what movie that'll be, but we are going to try to do a thing. There's like a, like drive through trick or treating. I mean, we, we want to dress our little girl up. We want to, you know, we're not going to let 2020 defeat us completely. So she wanted to be, we asked her, she's, she's not even two. She'll be two. A couple weeks after Halloween, we said, "What do you What do you want to be for Halloween?" Not really expecting to know what she had say. She could have said like a clock or something. We wouldn't have been surprised. But <laughs> she said she wanted to be a squeaky mouse. So we're we're trying to we're just going to make her into a little mouse. So that'll be fun. I don't know what we're going to do with the squeaky mouse, but uh, hopefully somebody will throw a little bit of candy at us, and uh, that'll be good. That's awesome. So yeah, the squeaky mouse will get you know you, you can start a chart, 
and a spreadsheet and be like, what does the squeaky mouse, uh, what, what kind of candy does that get? And then you can compare to the next year mm. when she decides to be something else and you can uh, contrast and compare and do an analysis on uh, what costumes get the most candy. Oh, this is why you're fun at parties, I'm, I'm assuming. <laughs> Clearly. Speaking of uh, fun at parties, I actually don't have a good segue with that, but uh, I was trying to move on. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, so, you know, in the, in the spirit of Halloween, you and I have both been releasing some videos on our respective channels that uh, are a little bit in the way of monsters mm. and that kind of stuff, you know, trying to fit the vibes. And uh, you released one that I always was, was drawn to just simply based on the cover. And even the game's art, I thought, looked really interesting. And that's The Adventures of Dr. Franken. But it turns out it's, it, it's just not, it's not a game that, uh, that has a lot of meat to it, right? Nah, it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it kind of sucks. I was trying to no, it's, be it's, gingerly it's about it, good. but yeah. Um, it's lousy. Uh, I mean, it's not lousy, but it's just kind of blah. It's just kind of there. Uh, you know, if there's a million platformers just like it. It's like, who cares? Like, there's, It's like, oh, I want my uh, platformer, generic platformer, to have a Halloween flavor. Well, here you go. Congratulations. And that's that's the bummer with that one, too, because I really do. Uh, I love the art. I, I just like when things have a Halloween flavor to it. Like, you could do that with anything, and I'm already a little bit more interested than otherwise. Mm. But, you know, the fact that it kind of sucks uh, is a bummer. And that's not a surprise either. And the the art of that one always reminded me of the game De- Decap Attack for Genesis, which I think is yes. slightly a, a better experience. But still the same uh, idea for me is that I'm just attracted to it because it's got a scary guy on it and scary guys are fun. No, I'm sure Decap Attack is is pretty much uh, eons better. Not that that means a whole lot (laughs) than uh, Adventures of Dr. Franken. You're going to do pretty well with Decap Attack. Decap Attack's not that great, but it has its charm. Yeah. I mean, at least it has some individuality to it. It has some unique things going for for it. Yeah. Things speaking of eons better, I'm all about segues today. Speaking of eons better than Dr. Franken, I did a video <laughs> on Kid Dracula, which is a fantastic game. My goodness, fantastic game that uh, didn't make its way to North America originally. You can obviously access it through any number of different ways now. There's Castlevania collections you can play it on, etc. Uh, and it's no, it's not the exact same as the Game Boy game, but it's very close and it's a lot cheaper. <laughs> if you want the real thing. Uh, but yeah, Kid Dracula, what a fun time, man. I, I enjoyed it, and it was actually when I got my EverDrive uh, so that I could record uh, and, and get some stuff from Famicom games uh, for the channel. That was the, that was really the game that I was thinking b- about the whole time. Konami is very strange in that they make fun of themselves. Uh, they're very eager to make fun of themselves, seemingly, where it's like, okay, we, we made Castlevania and all this stuff. Okay, now we need to, like put her tongue firmly in cheek and now we need to do kid dracula and it's like nobody asked you to do that yeah i think the <laughs> i think this the the developers are just like kind of sick of working on it you know and the same thing happened with gradius where it's like we're we're sick of working on gradius okay let's do parodius and make fun of ourselves and make fun of the stuff we made and they did at least one other thing like that. I just can't think of it right now. That's a but, good point, yeah. though. The, the self-paradization, if that's a term. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you don't see that a lot with it, with a lot of developers. Yeah, I wonder, too, if it, with Kid Dracula, if it's just a, an attempt to make it a kid-friendly game. Uh, the Castlevania series was was really dark and brooding, and maybe it was a way to, to introduce kids to it more. I mean, I, I can't suspect that that's, that's a really... 
uh, high priority on their list, but um, but perhaps <laughs> I don't know. But it is neat. Yeah, I have no idea. I, that 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 would be my guess, though. Is is I I really think it's it boils down to they just can't help themselves. They just can't. <laughs> they can't help themselves. They're just like oh. Oh God, we're just we're so pent up with this garbage, you know. <laughs> we've got so many inside jokes that we can't hold them in, and so we've got to, you know, all this uh, Kid Dracula stuff and Castlevania stuff. Let's pour it all into this Kid Dracula game, and it's it's very funny. Uh, Kid Dracula does have quite a bit going for it uh, on its own. It's not just an inside joke. Uh, within the Konami developers, it's 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 a really good game on its own. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Both for both for Famicom and for Game Boy, I would say. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent agree. And speaking of Castlevania, I haven't seen your. You know, this is, we're recording this on a Wednesday. This is going to come out tomorrow. But you have a, a Castlevania related video also. Yeah, I want to quit doing uh, regular videos for uh, just one episode i guess is the way to phrase that <laughs> it sounded like it was going to be darker than that oh no it's gonna be dark oh god no i'm gonna quit forever uh <laughs> not that anybody would care but uh, I, would a little bit. I wanted to do uh super castlevania 4 lp just because uh the way i start this video is like okay so adventures of dr franken wasn't a recommendation there's not many more new games or new ROM hacks for that matter that I can recommend for Halloween games. So why don't I just do an LP for a game that a lot of people like? So that's what I'll do for, for this uh, coming Thursday. I did a super Castlevania four LP. And um, I also took the opportunity to make sure it was a collaboration with a former guest yeah, for for drunk friend, and that's uh, our friend Layla from New. Well, she's not from New Zealand, but she lives right. in New Zealand. She was able to paint <laughs> a Castlevania themed painting, uh, and it's wonderful. It's brilliant, and uh, it's going to be part of a giveaway. That's such a good idea, man. Oh, it was her idea. It was all her idea. Oh wow, cool. And so yeah, so she was like, hey, let's do this uh Castlevania thing and I'll I'll paint something that's uh, kind of Halloween themed, Castlevania themed and you'll and you'll do, you know, you'll like make it a giveaway on your channel since you have more people. And I was like, okay. And sure enough, she already has a video on her channel showing how she created huh. this painting uh and it's very soothing <laughs> yeah, it's very soothing no and it's very uh yeah for sure i'm excited for it again by the time this comes out everyone will have already watched that video and i'm over here just clamoring to see it because I, I you've been sort of talking to me about it i i seen i've seen no details or anything like that um so i'm i'm super stoked to check it out man and i, I look forward to more stuff like this i like i like collaborative alex he's uh he's fun there will be more collaborative stuff uh in november for sure heck yeah dude all right, let's get into some emails. Uh, first off here, we have one from Austin. Hello, Austin. He says, hey, Travis, I, I learned about you and your channel from this podcast since I'm not a big NES guy, but I'm now subscribed and enjoying your smooth voice. Thanks for all the hard work, sir. You're welcome, Austin. I hope this is smooth enough for you. <laughs> uh, and then he goes on to say, hey, Alex. You went into Clint Eastwood voice there. <laughs> That's a, that's a character I need to add to my uh, Tales of the Lesser Medium repertoire. My goodness. 
Um, he goes on. He says, hey, Alex, I've been subscribed to your channel since 2015 and enjoy all the hard work you put in and showing off the, the Super Nintendo. Uh, I know you've been feeling the burnout lately. I started a personal project at the beginning of the year to play the entire SNES library. I'm about 400 games in. I give each game at least 50 to 30 minutes typically. And some of my favorite new discoveries are Arkanoid, don't it again, Bushi Seryudin, made by Game Freak, and the recently translated G.O.D. God RPG, which has become one of my favorite RPGs. There's always some new great games to play under the piles of Mahjong games. Take care of yourself, and thanks for the years of work. Then he gets to some questions down here. He says, what licensed property would have taken a game to a whole new level? Example, King of Monsters with the Godzilla license, Soldiers of Fortune with an A-Team license, or shoot 'em up with X-Wings. So let's answer that question first, and actually, if you want to react to anything you said up there ahead, uh, you could do that too. But uh, do you have any, any any examples of a of a licensed property that could have taken a game to a whole new level? I think he nails it with the X Wings. With uh, if he if we can do a Star Fox game with X Wings, are you kidding me? Like that'd be freaking awesome. Uh, granted, that actually exists, and you know that that that's kind of a a thing on PC back in mm. the day but uh yeah that that'd be super fun uh i i like his examples a lot with uh godzilla with king of the monsters and um that's a good yeah. one that's a really good one S- yeah soldiers of fortune with a team would be awesome too or uh true lies with other arnold movies i think <laughs> would work yeah. really well uh if you could do a uh, predator with true lies format where you're in the jungle and you're just, or even do like a uh, uh, Jurassic Park style game, except Predator, uh, where you're wandering around in the jungle. That'd be awesome. That's all I got, pretty much. What about you? You got any ideas? I don't. I don't have anything super serious. I was thinking you could put uh, Danzig in the Mother series, uh, and you could, <laughs> you could do that one. Um, Mother. Yeah, you could. I don't know what he would do. But, uh, My goodness, that's all I had. It's not good. I'm sorry. I'll kick. I'll, I'll just quit no, the that, show. I'll quit I the show. I think that's pretty good. Okay. You know. You know when 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 he says uh, "mother" in the second verse, it sounds like he's saying Obama. Does it really? I'll have to listen it to does. that after. No, this. No, it does. I I don't mean to be political, but it really does sound like he's saying Obama. It sounds like he's saying Obama. Yeah, I can hear that too. Now you've, I think and you've, it's. Affected that song it, for the rest of my life. I appreciate that. And my girlfriend and I were like, did he just say Obama? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, uh, yeah, that was... He, he was ahead of his time. You can say that about him. Funny. He was ahead of his time. Yeah. Was it Michelle Obama or Barack Obama? We don't know. We don't, but, you, can't, uh, you can't know. You can't possibly know. Yeah. Uh, he goes on to ask, what is the most 90s movie to ever 90s? His pick is Surf Ninjas. Uh, my pick is always going to be something like... Uh, Oh, what is that movie called? Uh, the one was Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze. Oh, uh, oh, po- oh! Point po- Break. Point Break. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that one is. It, it's got surfing. It's got Keanu Reeves shouting. It's got. Uh, I am an FBI agent, and it's it, it's so bad. Uh, it's there's a lot of hilariousness and nineties-ness. It's. I think it's got. Uh, uh, what's her name? Petty. Uh, Corey Petty, whatever her name is, I can't remember her name. God, I'm so bad with names. I I can see her face in my head. You can later in this name. episode, you name 18 baseball players, no one remembers. 
I just want to point that out. Oh God, I can't remember her name. Uh, but uh, I can remember Tim Salmon. He was a 1993 Rookie of the Year for the Anaheim Angels or the the uh, California Angels at the time. Yeah, you can't forget the fish, Big Tim. Big Tim. Clueless is one that I would I would pick. I think that's that's got a very 90s feel to it all the way around. But uh, I think I think we're picking some good stuff here. Very much so, yeah. Okay, he finishes up. He says, thanks again, gentlemen. Love the show and have a great week, Austin. Thank you, Austin. Love hearing from you. So we got another email from Ryan. He says, hey, dudes, love the pod. It was cool to hear Travis's PhD in human-computer interfaces and his work on transportation as I happen to have worked in as an automotive uh, uh, engineer on the same stuff. Huh. And he says, par- parenthetical, not to be creepy, but I guess he must be at Virginia Tech. Yes, sir. Anywho, small world and all that. I was wondering if Travis has an expert human factors <laughs> opinion on video game controllers. Oh, man. Either the best or worst designs. I love this question. I'm sure Alex would have a non-expert opinion as well. And uh, what are your... Uh, uh, he he does make a good point. You have a educated opinion engineer's opinion yeah on what would be the quintessential designed controllers what are they i think you can't go wrong i think the 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 nes controller is just perfect you know it's it's the best system it's the best controller no, I'm, I'm, I'm messing i was just hoping that your jaw would drop <laughs> and you'd get really upset with me uh no i think you know obviously the more modern you go the better that stuff's going to be they put a there's a mm. there's been a ton of science uh from day one to to get to that point and it seems it seems silly in some way to think that they're just scientists looking staring at hands uh for the last 20 or 30 years but they've been out there they've been doing it but at some point there's like a pinnacle where there's really there's no changes that you could really make to a form or a form factor that's going to do things much better than what they've been doing for the last like 20 odd years i think the the playstation controller sort of i don't want to say revolutionized but it sort of set the standard for what a lot of consoles strive to be right around the early 2000s maybe late 90s like that that form factor and it's it's only been improved on a little bit at a time what's changed mostly is just how reliable they are and how sturdy they feel and so at some point there's just preference uh to where you like your joystick and that's that's not really an ergonomic issue as much as it is just a personal preference like I think even the GameCube controller is a really well de- well designed controller for the system that it was made for. So I think you know just in general things that are more modern um, over the last ten years is just it, probably as good as it's going to get. I think the only innovations you'll get in controllers going forward will be things like haptic feedback or you know things like connectivity and, and motion sensing and, and all that stuff. But uh, in terms of in terms of fit and feel, I think it's. I think it's just any of the modern stuff. It's hard to separate it. Worst, though, I mean, I'm just not a huge fan of that N64 controller. I've never, you know, in all of my days as a as an ergonomist, uh, I've yet to see anybody with uh, 18 knuckles on one hand. So I just, it's not that great. You don't like grabbing an elephant's face? What's wrong with you? <laughs> I don't. Your words. It seems right rude. It your seems words. rude. What's your, what's your uninformed uh, take on this? Super Nintendo controller, obviously. <laughs> I mean, it is good. It does feel good. Better. I uh, no. I I I, I got to go with the PS2 controller. Was the first one that felt just perfect. You know the 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 Dual Shock, the the twin sticks, and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff with everything was the first controller I remember feeling like this is how a controller should feel. This is exactly right. 
uh and everybody's just been trying to catch up with that one in my opinion <laughs> um i do like the original super nintendo controller even like the the thing i like about the super nintendo controller is that even the the third party stuff still works with it like the ascii pad the the stuff with the turbo switches and all that where where you still it still works no matter what you do and i love that about that controller um it still feels really well um the nes controller is brilliant for its time brilliant like beyond brilliant for its time it's revolutionary like it was yeah i mean that's a good point yeah incredible but at the same time it wasn't ergonomically you know uh, ahead of its time or anything like no, that. no i don't, I don't like, think ergonomics like, were a thing they just made square molds and said can you hold this and you could and that was it yeah right yeah, yeah no just just having the d-pad on the left with your left thumb and buttons on your right thumb and as you know that's that's become a thing now with people it's it's become without saying which is really strange to think about now where you know they they could have potentially (laughs) done it the other way can you imagine that oh man (laughs) oh we would all be like what would that would that have opened up the not dark timeline that we're on now do you think really strange i don't know is that where berenstein berenstein broke was right there What if we had D pads on the right thumb? Can you imagine? Like, just take a second to imagine that. I just don't. I just like, don't think want about to. using a D pad with your right thumb. I don't like it. And it's like, how? <laughs> I know, right? Like, how does that happen? <laughs> like, how did they know to like? Okay, like D pad, left thumb. Yes, this works. Even thinking about it right now is like delaying my speech like just trying to think about it i'm having a hard time talking about it that's how that's how incredible that is that does it for our uh emailed questions so thanks so much uh ryan and austin we definitely is appreciate really? it and if you guys is have questions is that all we got that's all we got come on send more questions yeah send, send them in. more more yeah, yeah. send them ryan in. send 10 more questions ryan we need we're gonna need 10 from you we also need you to pretend that you're nine other people because yeah, yeah. austin send more questions please okay yeah, Does you, that sound good? Okay, thank you. Thank you, guys. Drunkfriendpodcast at gmail.com, in case you've forgotten. Uh, let's get into the guest, though. Some of that guest meat. That's just, This is yeah, why people right. are here. They saw the name of the episode, and they were like, all right, I got to suffer through 25 minutes of these assholes talking about controllers <laughs> before we even get to anything good. So coming up, we have Genovi. He's known on YouTube for exploring the depths of some of the more, what we might consider, obscure retro gaming libraries like the CDI. Uh, but he does a really good job. He does all kinds of like unreleased game stuff. He digs into... One of my favorite videos is actually, I didn't even talk about it in this episode, but it was about disc rot. I learned so much about disc rot, I'm, I'm paranoid now. So hmm. a lot of informative uh, stuff from Genovi. Yeah, he's an extremely fun and multi-talented guest. Uh, he's got all sorts of reviews, very strange stuff that you don't think about every day. Yeah, it's it's normally stuff you think about with like, you know, AVGN episodes. And it's like, hey, wait a second. These systems aren't a joke. These systems are actually pretty good. Uh, Well, kind of. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> some of them are. They're interesting at the very least. Listen, if you're going to stick around for anything, stick around for this dude's auctioneering. The, this dude is amazing. Uh, he's multi-talented. And stick around for Genovi. Yes. All right, we are excited today to be talking to Genovi. Genovi, man, thanks for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. How are you doing? 
man, I'm doing fantastic and I really appreciate the invite. So thank you for having me on. I'm a, I'm a longtime listener of this podcast. Oh, wow. The first <laughs> of ever, the first ever. Yeah. You know, this is, it's pretty wild because, um, I, I found out about Trav's channel and I started watching it and then I discovered that he actually did a podcast. So, um, I, I started checking out this podcast and, uh, he, Obviously, Trav has this guest host named Alex, and I'm thinking, well, who, I don't know who this Alex guy is, but he sounds pretty cool. And so I listen to like about 10, and I keep on hearing that he has this show called Snestron. I'm thinking, okay, well, I, I probably at some point need to go and check this show out because this guy seems like he's he's all right. And I, I go and look Thanks. him up on YouTube and like, wow, how have I never heard of this guy? His channel's kind of big. And uh, I, I checked out a couple of your videos, and it, they were really good. I, I definitely can understand why you have the sub count that you do. And I was uh, shocked that I knew who Trav was and he had a very small channel and never had heard of you really. Well, no, that's very humbling uh, because uh, normally I'm, I'm, I'm the one joking about Trav uh, being, you know, it's like the big star, <laughs> but now Trav really is the big star. <laughs> he really is. And I'm just an also ran. That's right. So here you go, Trav. Why, why don't you, why don't you show, show some shine here and, and flex <laughs> Flex a bit here. Well, you know, and you're welcome. I've I've led a lot of people to um to your to your channel, obviously, and so it's true. That's uh, that's awesome. I love it. Another subscriber. Thank no, God. it is it is actually pretty crazy. A few people have told me they're like, man, I, it's crazy. I didn't hear about Snestrunk until your to your podcast, and I was like, well, I don't know how that's possible, but uh, obviously, Alex was a heavy inspiration for my channel. So there you go. But uh, but we do appreciate having you on, and I, I think you know it's worth mentioning that you did find my channel. I want to give a shout out to our friend Top Spot, who we've had on here in the past, who made that connection, and so um, that's always fun. So it's we're kind of also in the business here with Drunk Friend of helping other creators get get the get noticed and, and perhaps um, be introduced to a new audience, uh, certainly our audience, because uh, we like what you do with over there with your channel, and we're going to be talking about that well, today. Thank you. So we appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah. And I, and I absolutely love the, the whole, the whole entire purpose behind this show here. And uh, so many of the people that you've had on as guests are people that I highly admire. And there's been a number of people I've, I've never even heard of. So, uh, you know, I, I like being introduced to people through this format and being able to go in and explore the creative side of these people on, on the backside of a, po of a podcast. I, I think it's really fantastic. Thanks, man. Um, well, let's let's get into what Genovi does best, and your channel is in you. You in general are are pretty interesting because I think there are a few obvious reasons for that. Uh, one being that you know typically, as as gamers and as content creators in the gaming space, um, if you're if you're not showing your face, you're usually or if you are showing your face, you're typically showing like a big wall behind you with with video games on them, and it's just you got to show off the shelves. There's always that that shelfy aspect of it all um but you're a little bit different you don't always go team face and and that's what we've coined here is team face team no face so alex and i would be team no face you've been a little bit team face recently but the thing is your backdrop's a little bit different because it seems to me you're doing a lot of you or at least when you lived at your previous place um you're out on a ranch you're doing some some other things that that are not typically associated with gaming uh so I think that's pretty interesting. Can you explain a little bit about like how you balance that aspect of things where you're, you're, I guess a rancher or a farmer and you're also a nerd like us. 
Yeah, well, I, and I think you'll find that there's there's quite a few people that are into really in, in, uh, interesting industries that are also into gaming. You know, it, it wasn't obviously um, popular to be into gaming back in the 80s and 90s, for the most part, early 90s. Uh, but it's something I've always had a strong passion for. Uh, when I was growing up, my dad had a small arcade. Uh, we always had computers and video game systems in the house. So it's something I grew up with. I'm, I've been passionate about video games my entire life. Um, I've also been very passionate about animals and, and the ag industry as a whole, and that's where I've spent my entire career. So yeah, um, it's definitely a interesting mix because you just don't see a whole lot of people that live out in the country or that are involved in that, which also are heavily involved in, in video games. But I do know some people that are, uh, you know, world renowned horse trainers, which also play video games. And, uh, I know some other people that farm as well, which are into games. And I have a couple of people who follow my channel. Uh, which I've made a connection with that farm and we talk shop outside of games. So, we, we, you know, we'll, we'll talk about, uh, you know, growing grass hay or, you know, farm equipment or whatnot. So, yeah, it, it's definitely uh, something that you probably would not expect. But uh, I, I don't know if it really differenti differentiates me personally so much from anybody else as far as just my my interest in the hobby goes. But definitely maybe my perspective on life and uh, the way I approach stuff is, is definitely impacted by what I do for a living and the way I live my life. Very cool. That's that's really cool. Your channel covers a lot of games and systems that nobody really talks about, which is really cool, which I, I really like. Um, you're talking about the CDI and the 3DO and stuff like that. Atari Jaguar. Um, what is it about those consoles that appeals to you? Yeah, well, I, I just have, uh, I, I think this is something that probably uh, a, a lot of people don't realize about me is um, I, I just have a pure passion for video games in general. So I, I'm, I'm probably known as being kind of a 32X fanatic. But when I think about the 32X, I'm not sure that there is a 32X game that would be in my top 10 all time. But I definitely have a lot of love and appreciation for that system and for a lot of these other systems that I feel are, are underappreciated. And I, I think it's just really easy for me to look at a piece of hardware and find positive aspects about it. And the fact that a lot of the stuff is just really undercovered or when people cover it, it's just a big bash fest or they're not really doing it justice, in my opinion, is a driving factor for me to go out and try to uh, present it in a proper light. And um, and I think that uh, I, I've been successful in doing that with a number of things. And you don't always change people's minds, even if you are presenting, you know, these detailed videos with with facts and you're citing your resources because it's just uh uh, some of the ideology behind some of this hardware is so ingrained in people's, you know, uh, it, just in who they are, um, mm. they, they, you're never going to change minds. And uh, uh, but for me, it's um, it's really just about exploring and telling these stories that are seldom told or t told. Excuse me. <laughs> no worries. Um, yeah, no, it's the uh, 32X since you brought it up. That's one of those things where it's like, the 32X is the, was the precipice of what brought Sega down. And I always find that confusing because I remember that cer a certain Christmas when I was a kid uh, when 32X was like a huge deal. And that uh, it was sold out, and nobody could get one. That's right, and that sort of thing. Can can you help dispel the 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 whole thirty two X thing? I mean, you've done it in videos, but yeah, yeah. And I, actually, I just did a panel on it as well. That's actually oh, nice. That was uh, that uh, Li 
Retro. I think you and I both did panels for them. That's oh yeah, the first time okay, I've right ever on. done a panel, and I know that's the first time you've ever done a panel. So it's it <laughs> yes, was pretty uh, awesome. I was very, that. I was very nervous, and uh, me as well. I don't think I'd do the online thing again, but uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah. So, um, so with the thirty two X, yeah, it, just like you said, um, you know, they produced around six hundred and sixty thousand units, and they completely sold out. They have pre orders for about a million, and this is in ninety four. Uh, it was declared the Christmas gift of the year in 94 and retailers just going to get their hands on them. So the number that's typically stated is the number of 32 X units that were shipped worldwide for the entirety of the lifespan of the hardware is actually the number that was shipped at launch. So we don't actually know how many total units actually made it into the consumer's hands because it's just never been revealed. And what ends up happening is that it's it, the 32 X is sharing a lot of chipsets with the Saturn and the Saturn has this, um, you know, very, very, very dis- disastrous launch in the United States here, uh, where, mm. uh, you know, they can't get chipsets and it, they're splitting chipsets between the Saturn and the 32X and, um, they launch it early and they don't send it out to stores. I, I actually grew up in rural Oregon and the Saturn was a system that I never seen on store shelves the entirety of that system's life never seen games for it never seen the system on store shelves and when you start talking to people that grew up in these rural areas it's very true because a lot of these small uh these small stores felt burned by sega and they refused to carry that hardware and it really affected sega going forward um so so yeah so what ends up happening is that sega panics and they they feel like uh the United States is really their marketplace where they where they are going to either succeed or fail. So they pull all resources from everything and they cancel the Genesis, the 32X, the Sega CD, they cancel the Game Gear, they cancel the Pico, and they put all the resources into trying to save the Saturn. But it's just too late. They've already dropped the ball. And, you know, the Saturn a lot of times will be um, described as this system that killed Sega as a company. And, and that simply isn't true either because... Sega had never actually experienced any kind of success in their homeland of Japan. And with the launch of the Saturn, that actually changed. And so the Saturn was actually extremely profitable and successful in Japan. And overall, throughout the lifespan of the Saturn, Sega actually remained profitable throughout that 94, 95, 96, 97, and up through 98 Um which a lot of people don't realize. So, so they weren't actually hemorrhaging money, uh, but there is some other there is some other issues that actually go hand in hand with the Saturn and Sega of America, which really undermined uh, Sega of Japan as far as profitability goes. Um, but but that's a whole a whole nother bag of worms. Um, but I, yeah. I I I think we can de- definitively state that the 32X was a success for the time it was on the market. And that it really had nothing to do with the downfall of Sega. Nice. It's almost like you've given a panel on this before. That was a very informed response. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, sorry about that. No, no, it's very good. Speaking of well-researched answers, that's actually a very good segue because I really love your unreleased games series. And and I think it this, this kind of touches on what you said before about how things like the Saturn just weren't available in rural areas. I was a rural boy, too. I wasn't a farmer, but I might as well have been. I lived adjacent to a farm, and I was on a big rural gravel road. And nobody that I knew had a 32X or Sega CD or a Saturn or or any of that stuff. And the rental store didn't have it. And as far as I knew, it was just a myth made up in magazines. And so I have this really strong fascination with all of those, uh, that, that, that entire... Uh, I guess, I don't know what you would call it, but that that section 
of um, the 90s when, when things were going towards CDs. Other than the PS1, I didn't see any of that stuff. So I'm really fascinated in hearing not only about the games that are out there, but certainly the ones that didn't make it to shelves. Like that's that's just a, another frontier that I haven't really tapped into. And your video series does a great job sort of showing that stuff and I'm really fascinated by it. So how do you how does that research process work? I know you, you stayed up front in a lot of the videos that like you're going to try to cover them in alphabetical order, but some might sneak in, some you might not know exist could could be out there that could be added later and that kind of stuff. But um what's the, what's that research yeah. process like? Is it as arduous as it seems like it would be? Yeah, well I, I think just about every video I do is 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 just uh <laughs> It just consumes an incredible amount of time to put together. But for those videos in particular, they're a little different because essentially what it requires is is going in the gaming magazines about an, a year before a system launches and then looking through gaming magazines until about the end of the life cycle of a system and then combing through every single article that you can through any magazine that I have access to and pulling out a list of any game that's mentioned and then cross-referencing that against a list of games that have released. And some some systems like the JAG, already know what the what the library looks like the genesis you know so it's a little easier some of them i'm not so familiar with so i put them into a spreadsheet and then uh, you know i start listing resources for every single game so uh, any game that i've talked about i actually have uh, documented in a spreadsheet with all all the resources and where it was mentioned and and any kind of information i can find out about it um so yeah so it's, it's just it's critical for me to be able to talk about it that we can actually confirm that a game was actually in development or was planned or, or, you know, exactly, you know, where was it? Was it just rumored? Were they talking about it? Because if that was the case, then it's not really worth discussing because it wasn't really a reality. Could it have been a reality at that point? Pr- probably not. So, um, so yeah, it, it's very important, at least for me personally, to, to verify that these games that we're going to be discussing have either uh, entered some sort of s- some stage of the development process, whether that is just, you know, storyboards or whether, uh, you know, you actually have some sort of alpha or, um, proof of concept like a Conan on the Jag, you know, uh, or or a little bit further along, like finished games like uh, Bound High on the Virtual Boy. Right. And how often are you able to, I mean, I, I forgive me, I haven't watched every single video um, in that series, but how often are you able to come across any like footage of gameplay or, or anything like that? Have you ever have you ever looked up and found some good archival stuff that, that you can show off? Very rarely. Uh, it, it really depends on the game. If it's dumped, obviously it's no problem. I'm just going to get a copy, of the, uh, you know, a dumped copy, and play the game myself and capture my own footage. Um, otherwise, though, you know, you're trying to look through Space World v- videotapes and um, you know uh, E3 if it's if mm. if the game is late enough in history, um, and uh, y- you know you might be looking through press conferences and just anything you can try to find, and you're coming through and you're making a list of what's on there and. Sometimes things pop up. Um, there was a um, Rayman was planned for the 32X. That was going to be uh, it was supposed to be simultaneously released on the 32X and Jag. That's the, the systems that was being developed for, and everybody knew that. But a lot of people have doubted for a long time that it was ever really in development for the 32X because nothing, no footage was known up, known to exist. And so I put those out, and there's a, a guy named Pandemonium. Are you familiar with him? Yeah, I, I'm familiar with that one. Yeah. 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 So, so he, uh, he actually reached out to me and, and he's actually done a video on it, but, uh, he was researching Saturn games and came across some footage on some old tape where some guys walking through and they're in this 32 X section and there is Rayman, a big 32 X display with Rayman running on the 32 X. Hmm. So, uh, the game is never been dumped. It's never been found. 
but there's video footage, video proof, you know. Uh, another one that we covered was uh, Clay Fighter. A lot of people doubted that that game existed, There's, but there's definitely definitive proof that it did. It, it was under development, but nothing was known to exist. And then all of a sudden, about a, a year after that video came out, somebody found the ROM. It's been dumped online. So so there you have it, you know. So it's, um, it's very interesting trying to track this stuff down because people never thought that anybody would care about this stuff. And a lot of times when these companies went under, um, like, uh, you know, uh, these companies, especially like over in Eastern Europe, mm. stuff just went to a dumpster and that was the end of it. And these files were lost forever. So have you heard of the book that has come out recently uh, from Bitmap Books, if you're familiar with them? They did a, a recent release uh, about unreleased <laughs> games called The Games That Weren't. And they've got a, a boatload of information and like screenshots and stuff like that. Have, have you seen any of that stuff yet? I, I have not. There was a website that documents a lot of that stuff. And I know that they have released a book. I, I'm not familiar with it, though. I, I, I don't typically rely on that website as a resource. This is just my excuse to pimp uh, bitmap books because they're freaking fantastic. <laughs> I really like their stuff. And yeah, they the, the stuff that they put out is really good. Um. No, it's it's that's when I watch your unreleased video game stuff. It's that's what I think of is is what they put out. Um, yeah, and it's on the same level where it's I I'm always learning something. I'm always thinking of things that uh, <laughs> the the shadow for Super Nintendo is is the one that sticks out for for me. Uh, I'm not sure if you've talked about that one, but uh, no, no. Tell me tell me a little bit about it. Oh, no, it's based on the movie uh, with Alec Baldwin. It's not great, but um, the game seemed kind of sort of promising, at least in terms of a licensed platformer. It uh, looked okay, but in kind of like a Batman Returns motif where, where somebody gets smashed into windows, you know, you use the background and that sort of thing. A bit of a beat em up. Yeah, I think it was also planned to come out on the uh, Atari Jaguar CD, so that's that's an obscure enough console for Genovi to maybe look Atari. at it, you know. <laughs> Atari Jaguar CD, really? Yeah. Wow. I do have one of those. So, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. They're, they're nothing special, but you have to be very careful talking <laughs> about Jag stuff because a lot of the Jag community is, uh, you know, they're easily offended. <laughs> really? I was just about yeah. to ask you if you and the 10 other people that own an Atari Jaguar CD get together every year. No, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, you don't want to say anything bad about the Jag CD because they will come after you. Wow. All right. Sorry about that, Jaguar fans. Hope you're uh, hope you're doing well. <laughs> Please come after <laughs> us. We need the attention. I'm just kidding. Um, you know, and we're talking about all the research that you that you put into your videos, but I I think the one that I'm thinking of that really blew me away, and re- just in terms of the amount of effort that no doubt you had to put into it, but also the the final product was amazing. Um, I'm talking about your F1 documentary, and oh my goodness, you sat through that? I did, of course I did. I, I do my research around wow. here. Um, I sent it to my dad. My dad's a big F1 fan. Yeah, I, mean, I even posted it on Reddit because I was like, "This is a woefully un- underviewed video," and of course I got downvoted to oblivion, and nobody watched it. But I tried. Right. And that's Reddit for you, right? I tried. And uh, <laughs> you can't share any, you know, unless you're just like uh, sharing pictures of your game room wall, you're not going to get upvotes there. Oh, that's true. Or you just share a picture of one game and say, hey, I'm 12 and just started collecting today. And then people will give you a bunch of upvotes for some reason. Yeah, that's true mm. as well. Yeah. yeah look, look at this hidden gem that I found. Oh, my goodness. It's uh, Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> Too true. 
Um, but yeah, are you planning to do any more deep dives like that one? I know that had to take, I mean, just based on the, your, your video release frequency during that period, I can tell that it took you a lot of time and effort. Yeah. Yeah. That was hundreds of hours put that together. I, I don't think so. Um, I mean, not, not at that kind of scale. Like I'm working on a video right now that I have a lot of hours into it's, um, did piracy kill Dreamcast is what it's called, but I mean, it's, it's not the scope of my Senna video. The Senna video was definitely a passion project. And, um, you know, I had a lot of things I really wanted to explore. And there's something about investing, you know, two or 300 hours of your life into a project like that, only to have it be one of your least viewed videos on your whole channel. It's uh, it's like it's a little heartbreaking. Um, and um, it's, it's not about the revenue for me. It's just uh, but you hate to, like, invest so much time and have nobody really watch it, you know? So, yeah. I think we've we've been there where, you know, I had to put together a portfolio for my, uh, you know, a video portfolio uh, to represent my crappy, useless uh, associate's degree for my school. And that took, I don't know how long that took, but um, yeah, it took forever to put together. Nobody gave a shit and it just ended up, you know, just dying on the floor and I remember sending videotapes to people. You know, this is like in 2000, 2001. I'm, I'm mailing videotapes to these like, you know, editing, you know, companies or whatever. I'm like, here, here's what I can do, blah, blah, blah. I know how to use After Effects 1.0 or whatever. These, these crappy computers and nobody cares. And it's, it's, it's always, it always sucks to not get any sort of response at all. And now I think that's more raw than ever because you're on YouTube. It's a more public thing. And it's like, well, we'll <laughs> here you go, world. And, you know, you're releasing it to the world instead of mailing it to a single person. And when the world doesn't respond, then it, it feels more personal. Yeah, well, it's like the feedback I received from that video was overwhelmingly positive. I, I don't think I've ever received yeah. so much love from a video. And um, even just cruising around Portland when, when Portland was last going on, I had so many people come up and talk about that video. And that, that was fantastic. You know, nice. that, that felt great. Just having these people just tell me how that video connected with them. Well, that's uh, good. On the flip side, as a creator, you upload a video and you have like this expectation of, okay, well, even if YouTube doesn't promote this, it's going to go out to my subs and, you know, at least like 20% of my subs are probably going to watch this. And that wasn't the case with that video, you know? So it had like these, an extremely low retention rate and, uh, very few of my subs watched it. So th that's where the disappointment really kind of came in. You know, I, I think it's kind of hard to not necessarily be dis disappointed when something like that happens because, you know, we are creating for, well, I mean, I, we, a lot of us are creating for different reasons. Uh, for me, it's primarily for myself, but also to share my vision and my stories and my passion with other people. And so, um, like, when you have a lot of heart and time into a project like that and you don't feel like it's... Um, you know, I, like it's well received, but it's not well viewed. Um, it, it, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it, it doesn't necessarily feel as good as it could. I, I think it, you guys probably understand where I'm coming from, even if I'm not um, articulating it correctly. Yeah, it, it doesn't sound like, you know, it's not like an unfounded whininess that I see a lot of times with, with creators that sort of preemptively like, I spent, you know, 30 hours on this video and YouTube better, YouTube better share it. It's like, well, you know, the first the first step is that, you know, you, it doesn't really matter how much time you spend on it. It has to be good. But that's not the case here because what you've created is something that, you know, when I, I was flipping through and I was like, 
does Genovi, you know, I know, I know you have your hand in like a lot of different pots, but I was like, is he also like a Netflix documentarian or something? Like this seems like it's, it's a very well-practiced thing. It was very well put together. I was, I was extremely impressed, even though, you know, I, I don't know the first thing about F1. I can spell it. That's about it. But (laughs) <laughs> I think it's, it's probably just uh, the the nature of the subject. It's just yeah. niche. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I was <laughs> on that video. One disappointing thing is that I, I guess I mispronounced his first name throughout the whole video. And so I get like people, I just got a message today actually like, hey, the, the video was fantastic. It was incredible. But it's it's clear that you didn't watch F1 because you, you're mispronouncing his name the whole time. And it's really hard to watch because of that, even though the rest of it was fantastic. I'm thinking, well, the problem is like I didn't grow up with TV. So Everything I just I read in magazines, you know, so a lot of times I'm mispronouncing mm. things because I've, n- I've never heard him pronounced. And like for that video, I wasn't really, you know, he's he's from Brazil. So they speak Portuguese there. And then the focus was on Japan. So all the videos and stuff I'm looking at were from Japan. And I'm sending them over to people to, to get these documents and these videos translated so I can try to tell more of the story I'm, I'm wanting to tell. And you, you don't like really ever, at least for me, I'm not like really coming across his name, his first name being pronounced. So I'm like, I'm, I guess I butcher it the whole entire time throughout the video. And that's like a little bit of a letdown, but I mean, that's just a, that's just a reality when, um, you know, when you're growing up and the way that you're consuming media back in the eighties is, is wholly different than the way you can consume it today. Uh, you guys always talk about sports and I'm a sports fanatic, but I mean, the reality was growing up, it was all through newspapers. You know, I collected cards and I, I had books and newspapers sure. and I wasn't able to watch this stuff on TV. Everything, I, I mean, I, you, I could tell you about any player. I collected the cards. I never got to watch games, though. So, yeah, it's, it's just, it's a wholly different experience than what a lot of other people had. It, it plays out in your imagination instead, where when you see Barry Bonds, Bobby Bonilla for the Pittsburgh Pirates against the, you know, Atlanta Braves with, with Sid Bream chugging home. You know, in the '92 NLCS, I don't know why that popped into my head. Yeah. I guess I've always I'm, I'm always thinking about Supreme, <laughs> but uh, uh, you know that that's one of those indelible images I, I'll always remember as a kid was Sid Bream chugging around third, and he's so slow. He's like the slowest guy. He's like a dad bod. He, he looks like Bob from Bob's Burgers. <laughs> Honest to God, he is the. I just realized that right now. Like he, that's he amazing. Is the, the real life version of Bob from Bob's Burgers, and he's chugging around third, and he's so slow. And Barry Bonds's throw from left is, you know, just just a hair off. And Mike Lavalier is his tag is just off. And like, how are you supposed to piece that together? But that's how it worked, you know, going as far back as several decades, you know, through newspaper articles through. Uh, box scores and that sort of stuff so yeah i mean yeah i hear you i mean that's that's exactly how i consumed all this stuff too and you know moving right. moving up to modern times I've, I've obviously been able to finally go to live games and i've been able to watch this stuff on tv but you know growing up it just wasn't a reality for me and, and it's not to say that i didn't get to occasionally watch something like i got to watch the blue jays win the world series when was that like 91 and i watched the twins and kirby puckett win the world series nice but um but those were the exception, you know, that wasn't the rule for me. I, it was, it was. So, are you a big Blazers fan then? No, no. The, the only team I'm well, like uh, really passionate about is the Mariners. Um, otherwise, I Mariners. Just... Okay. Oh gosh, I'm so sorry. That's okay. Uh, they've they've really suffered the past uh, twenty years or so. 
Yeah, and, um, and you know, it really is video games that has me so passionate about the Mariners because Nintendo owned <laughs> them. So I, I felt like as a video game fan, um, you were actually doing yourself a disservice if you actually weren't supporting the Mariners. And I still kind of feel like that to this day, that if you love mm. video games or if you love Nintendo, that, uh, you know, you really should be loving the Mariners because <laughs> that, you know, just that connection is incredible. It's an incredible story. Absolutely. Well, I love Ken Griffey Jr. Presents Major League Baseball. It's, it's my favorite sports game of all time. And it will be until I'm on my deathbed. For Wait, sure. hold on. What, what about baseball stars on the NES? No, no. <laughs> Griffey Baseball. Give me Griffey Baseball every time. Excellent. I was really worried we weren't going to be able to resurrect this conversation and bring it back to video games. <laughs> but you guys managed to do Come it. Come on. We, I had one job. I was ready to... to jump in, but you guys did it yourselves. I'm really proud, to be to be quite honest. <laughs> well, you are welcome. You know, we could talk sports games all you like. Those are, uh, always, those are always a pleasure with me. <laughs> So you're not you're not taking uh, Seattle uh, the, the the Seahawks every time in in no, a Tecmo I, Super Bowl I'm, or anything like that. I, I'm I'm more interested in in specific players. Um, you know, there's people that oh, I, okay. I really that, I really get works. behind, and so I think baseball is is about the only sport. I, I mean, association football. I really like the Rangers out of Scotland. I, that's probably another another exception, but for the most part, I just really enjoy hmm. following specific players. Um, you know, I'm I'm. Speaking as somebody who never really got to watch sports on TV, I'll tell you I'll tell you a story about myself that I, I think is kind of interesting and outside cool. of the norm. Um, back in the 90s when I was in high school, uh, I had a good friend that was playing basketball and he needed a new pair of shoes. So he comes up to me and he, he asked me if I'd be willing to buy his newly purchased PlayStation 1 from him so he can go and buy a pair of Jordans. So I asked him, you know, like, and, and at this time, this is like, I'm probably like 14 or 15 years old. And I actually, I have a job working at a video store and a pizza place at the time after school. So I, so I had money. I'm like probably one of the few people in school that actually have a job and has money. So I ask him how much the Jordans are. And he says, 200 bucks. I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. So I get this PlayStation one. Uh, it was like 15 games with it, two controllers, two memory cards, just a steal of a deal at the time. Whoa. Yeah. And, uh, and it's, this is like a back when they're all in the long form cardboard boxes. You yeah. know what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, the system just like just literally came out. So I think it's like in 95 and um, I go home and I, I play through everything. And there's one game called Game Day in that stack. And I know nothing mm. about football. I've never seen it. Never, never even kept up to uh, on it as far as like, you know, box scores go, newspapers and whatnot. And so after I burn through all the games, this is the one game I have left. And I go ahead and throw it in one night and I fall in love with this game. I think it's just like one of the greatest games I've ever played. And since then I've fallen in love with football, but game day is not alone, but it is the first game that ever introduced me to a sport and taught me how a sport works. Um, and, and there's so like uh, golf is the same way. Tennis wow. is the same way. Hmm. Um, uh, soccer is the same way. I knew nothing about them, but I picked up the games and started playing them. The games were fantastic. And so it's like everything I know about most sports, save basketball and baseball is because of video games. And wow. I'm not so sure that a lot of other people can say that, but yeah. I have a passion for those video games because of that. And now as an adult, I have a passion for these sports as well. That is very interesting. Right on. That's really cool. Yeah, you don't see it come from that direction very often. I mean, I, I do think video games at some point got, got so sophisticated that they were really good at teaching someone the rules and how things, you know, work in a game like i i'm not much of a hockey fan at all but video games taught me like what icing was because it kept pissing me off i'm like why not though i'm way up here and i'm about to score why are you mad 
But it turns out you're not supposed to do you're not supposed to do offsides in in hockey. Yeah, you can't just dump puck down behind the goalie and then go chase. You yeah. can't do that. Disappointing, yeah. I will say, but it did teach me some lessons. <laughs> yeah, I think that's very interesting and you're an interesting guy for a number of reasons and another question that I have to ask and it wasn't even on my radar until you brought it up in our Discord uh prior to the interview. So obviously we brought you on here to chat about YouTube, video games, um, evidently baseball. <laughs> but you did mention <laughs> you did mention something that caught my attention. You were on a podcast with um, with Topher Grace and Tignataro for a different skill set that you have. And you know we're not going to put you on the spot too hard here, but tell us a little bit about what that was like. Uh, yeah. So uh, if, if people don't know, I, I think I'm not like really it's not secret, but I'm an auctioneer and I'm fairly well known. I've done a deal with. Uh, Rhett and Link. I think they have a show called Good Mythical Morning, and I've done a movie, and um, and I've also done that podcast that you're aware of. So, yeah, I mean, it's um, I had no idea who these people were, and they called me up and wanted to fly me out. So I told them, sure, that that would be fine, and they bought me a ticket and flew me out and had me on their show. Um, yeah, they were nice enough. I, I don't know if I, it's like, uh, I'm, I'm more excited. I think I already told you this. I'm more excited to be on this show because it's like, it's what I know and it's <laughs> what I'm passionate about than being on that show. It's like, I, I, I told my buddy, I have this guy uh, named Topher Grace. I have no idea who he is. He invited me out. He's on some show called the 70s show. I don't really watch TV. And, and they're like, oh man, I knew who that guy is. And then I was telling my, I have a, um, my friend, Yael from wrestling with gaming, I was telling him about this gal that was there that I met named Tig Natoro or Nataro or whatever her name is. <laughs> no clue who she was. And uh, he's like, Oh yeah, she's on discovery, man. I'm like, Oh yeah. Well, I, I haven't seen that yet, but I guess I'll, I'm need to watch it. Cause I like star Trek. So <laughs> I, I still haven't uh, seen her come on the show yet though. So, so yeah, I'm like, I'm kind of clue, clueless about these people and I don't necessarily feel starstruck. They're just kind of just regular people doing their own deal. And, and that's fine. Um, I, I've had some other offers I've by, uh, I bypassed. So it's really kind of, if things sound like they're interesting or they'd be fun, um, you know, I, I go and accept those. And if they're not, um, then I try to bypass that stuff. That's really interesting though. And again, I know you're, I don't want to harp on it too much because I know you're here to talk about games and YouTube, but I mean, how often do you find someone that has so many different skill sets you know, you got the retro games going on. You're you're a small time documentarian, and uh, you can do some auctioneering. Evidently, at a world class uh, degree, so that's pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely not within expectations. I don't think for a lot of people. Uh, I'll tell you, it definitely makes um, going to these retro conventions very interesting when they have auctions going on. Just because of my background, uh, you know, they they might not always be ran exactly how I think that they should be ran. So it's, it's always interesting to sit in on some of these, Uh. especially when they have people that are running them that don't really know much about auctions. And that's my background. Um, but you know, they're having fun and that's really all that matters. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it is, it is interesting though, to have people reach out to you on, something like that and uh, want you to be involved in some sort of project or hang out with you because you're doing this or that. And, you know, for me, like I said, it's, um, you know, I, I had a, there was a show called storage wars that reached, reached out to me about five years ago, maybe, and wanted to hire me on to be on the show. And I turned that deal down because it just doesn't sound like it was something that I would want to do or, you know, it's just, I like to do things on my own terms and not on somebody else's. Sure. Um, it's like one of yeah. the big reasons I don't have a Patreon. I'm not against Patreon. I'm, I'm, I support a lot of people on Patreon, but I don't have yeah. a Patreon because I don't want to feel obligated to put out something that somebody else wants me to put out. 
I want to work on stuff that I'm passionate about and things I want to explore at the pace that, that I feel is comfortable for me. And I think that like when you have a Patreon, a lot of times, then you are setting up expectations for yourself from other people that you might not be willing or able to fulfill. And, um, yeah, I'm just not overly interested in that. I, I, I want everything to be on my terms because I want to do it, not because it's expected of me. Oh, that hits home. I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, anyway, <laughs> um, no, that's really cool. I, you know, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you to do some auctioneer stuff. <laughs> sure. You know, some 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 stuff, you know, you, you know how it is when like Mike Judge goes on Conan or. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's, he's got to do the Beavis <laughs> and Butthead voices. And I, I'm, I'm a little scratchy because I've been working in an arena, so it's been dusty. <clears throat> so I'm uh, I'm a little bit. uh a little swollen in my throat right now, as you probably t- probably tell, but I will, uh, sure. I'll do that for no, you. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. There's definitely like two different styles. Um, but I'm, I'm mainly livestock. So, uh, so yeah, I'll just sell like oh, I'm nice. selling livestock. Okay. So, um, so yeah. So okay. let's just say that we have something come into the arena and we're going to sell, Five dollar, five fifty. I got five fifty. There gonna be six dollars. Gonna be six fifty. Gonna be seven dollars. Gonna be seven. Gonna be eight dollars. Gonna be eight fifty. Nine dollars. Gonna be nine fifty. Gonna be ten dollars. I got ten here. Gonna be twelve. Gonna be fifteen. Gonna be seventeen. Gonna be twenty dollars. Gonna be twenty fifty. Gonna be twenty five. Gonna be twenty seven. Gonna be thirty there. And thirty fifty. Gonna be thirty five. And thirty seven. I'm now forty dollars. Gonna be forty two fifty. I'm now forty five. I got forty five there. Gonna be fifty dollars. I got forty five there. Gonna be fifty. Now fifty five. I got fifty five there. Gonna be sixty dollars. And that's the deal. That was awesome. That was brilliant. Oh my god, I loved it. Oh my god, dude! That's like, uh, how do you learn? Okay, do you go to like auctioneer school? Yeah, the, like, I mean, th- there happen? is there is schools for that, but I actually wow, apprenticed really? under I apprenticed under some people that were very well known in, in in the industry. Um, I apprenticed under the head ring man for Barrett Jackson, not at Barrett Jackson, but I apprenticed under him at a livestock auction for a number of years, and. Yeah, so um, essentially, I'm I I don't have like a, a degree doing it, but I work with industry leaders throughout a, lo- a lot of my younger years, and uh, and yeah, and just have uh, grown in the industry just by being involved with it, and, and constantly uh, working sales as either a ringman, which would be somebody who's on the floor, not actually selling, but actually catching bids as they come in, and then the auctioneer. That was tremendous. Yeah, that was that. Thanks for doing that. I know I I was like, man, I don't want to because he's uh, I heard it. You you mentioned already that you were like, I'm just you know, I love talking about games. You know, those those auctioneering podcasts. Fine. But I'd rather talk about games. But in the back of my head, I'm like, how do I ask him to do it just for a minute? I, I, I think it's I think it's very important that when we are doing things in life that we ha- we enjoy what we're doing and we find some sort of passion. In it. And, and I know that's not always possible, especially when people are down on their luck. And sometimes you have to take jobs to be able to pay the bills. And um, but I think it's important that we uh, make those things temporary or try to enjoy and try to enjoy them to the best of our ability if we can. And, sure. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, auctioneer work is something I'm, I'm very passionate about. I'm, I'm very passionate about the industry that I'm in. And the way that we are actually trying to, um, we're getting off video games here, but that's okay. Uh, no, we, we, totally we actually, fine. I, I actually have um, kind of like a mission statement behind what we do, and that is actually trying to uplift small, uh, small independent and medium-sized family farms, and trying to get families and independent people, individuals into uh, the agricultural industry, and try to focus more on that, and not at all on the big corporate scene. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of anti the big corporate farming. And yes. I really want to see and promote the, uh, you know, 
the individual actually understanding where their food is coming mm. from and how things are raised and what is appropriate and what's not appropriate and, and as far as the way that we actually treat our, our livestock and what's appropriate and what's not appropriate as far as the way that we actually grow our food and where that comes from because it just there's a, a lot of work that goes on, uh, on behind the scenes to get that burger from the cow to your table or to get that head of lettuce from the field to your table and not always. In, in fact, I'll say probably more often than not, it's brought to your table in inhumane, inhumane or unethical ways. And so mm-hmm. um, my mission really in life, as far as through the industry I work in, is, is trying to uplift people and have them understand that there's, there's another way. And it's, everything doesn't need to be big corporate markets. I mean, there, there's obviously a need with the amount of people that we have in our nation. But um, I, it's critical that we understand that um, that there's other things going on behind the scenes and that we have a say with our with our dollar. We do. It's wonderful. I love that you're doing what you're doing. Yeah. So, Genovi, you know, as, as we close it out here, I know you just recently had a big move. Uh, you, you're trying to get closer to Alex. You're going from, from Oregon, I guess, I think down toward Arizona. <laughs> and uh, I know that's... Yeah, I'm, I'm right outside of Phoenix. So he's just like a stone's throw at this point, if I had a really strong arm. <laughs> My goodness. So, so I know that has what to be tough, on? and you don't have to get like too deep into specifics here, but you know, I know obviously you've, if you have a farm, and you have a, a studio and, and a game collection. And go, how, how do you possibly move any of that stuff? That sounds like uh, that sounds like quite an ordeal. Yeah, so I haven't fully moved everything, but it it was a massive ordeal. And then we had these big forest fires that were going on in Oregon at the time. And, um, yeah, and I still have the farm up there, but, but essentially I'm just selling everything off up there and we're fully relocating here to Arizona. But yeah, I mean, um, part of the reason I moved to Arizona is that I'm starting up a new livestock facility out here. And, um, that opens on the 7th of November. And that has obviously limited my time that I can invest in the channel and in, in, my studio here and getting set up properly to do my show. I've still been doing the research and writing though, just about every single night. I, I really try to spend a solid hour writing every single night for the show. And, uh, and so I'm, I still have been able to do that, but I mean, as far as like being able to watch YouTube and a lot of the other things that I really enjoy in life, it's just been kind of on the back burner. Um, because you know, th- these moves obviously are not simple because it's, it's just not like a packing up a U-Haul van and, um, moving to another city and then you have a job set up. That's not what I'm doing. And, um, you know, uh, it's, <laughs> this is actually probably, this is the first time I've moved in 15 years. So, uh, this is, um, it's a little bit of a struggle, like emotionally and mentally, and just trying to get settled mm. into a new area and open up a new business at the same time. And, uh, and then I, I stress out about my channel and about, you know, doing my, my, what I'm passionate about, which is, uh, you know, making these videos and, yeah, it's it's um it's gonna be worth it in the end. I I know it will, but I I, I just wish that sometimes you know that maybe things just go back to normal for just a minute, and I could just sit back in my old studio and record myself and work on a video for forty or fifty hours and get something up on YouTube and just feel the uh, the joy that comes with that. <laughs> right on, man. I think we we all uh, empathize a little bit with let's get it all back to normal. But good luck. Good luck through all that, because I know that's got to be a behemoth task, and I'm sure it's taxing in a lot of ways. So, uh, And thanks for taking the time to come onto the show um, in the mid- middle of all of that. We really do appreciate that. We have a couple of listener questions to close out on, if you don't mind here. Um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm here for the long haul. So, oh, All right. Uh, first one here is from uh, Patrick. 
but it's it's spelled P A C H R I C K. Patrick, I guess. Hmm. Uh, have you tried the Trials of Mana remake? How do you feel about it compared to the original? And I'll go ahead and say I have not. Uh, I've not tried it, so I don't know. Yeah, I've tried a little bit of it. Uh, it's fine. The remake. I the remake is you know it's a remake like. Wh- it's it's hard to say how you feel about it compared to the original it's a it's completely different from the from the ground up it's like it feels like a completely different game entirely so it's like what do you say it i don't you know it it feels different that's all i'll say i guess my my point is is that there's not that much wrong with being a, a product of your time you know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's like you're fine with being, you know, stuck in 1996. You don't need to be timeless. You can be 1996. Yeah, actually, I think it's kind <laughs> of. And you can stay there. I, I think it's a shame, actually, that video games have started going down the similar path of movies where a, an overwhelming amount of resources that are being dumped into remastering or remaking these games. And yeah. you know, there's nothing wrong with these games in the first place. And I'm not so yeah. sure that, um, that that is something that, that for me. I'm willing to to support under any any condition. I mean, maybe if it was Mass Effect one, two, and three remastered, I would do that. But but <laughs> we're getting into these older games, though. I mean, that's what like really makes them special is going back to the original hardware, holding the original controller, and having that original experience. Yeah, I'm fine with the '96 uh, edition of <laughs> Trials of Mana. I'm. It's just I would rather play the original. You know, I could just because I'm kind of a. I, does it make me a snob? But yeah, I mean, when, you know, when you're remaking a game, um, you, what is the purpose behind it? Because if the game was already yeah. fine, then yeah. it feels like it feels like it's kind of like a lost effort, you know. So it's like a, I, I kind of right. wish that some of the reimaginations and remakes were of games that had a lot of potential but fell flat, and uh, we don't see that at all. It's like if a game had potential but fell flat because of execution, they just kind of never revisit it, and instead, it's like a. You know, here's game XYZ, which sold a, bill, a bajillion copies and everybody played it and loved it. And we're just going to screw around with that again and see if we can sell a bajillion more copies. And it's like, hey, why don't we uh, why don't we uh, like maybe remake Ernest Evans and see if we can actually make that a good game instead of, <laughs> instead of, uh, you know, these games that are, uh, you know, it's like uh, the world ends. Uh, what's that game called? Um, the world ends with you. Yeah, I mean, how many freaking times have they remade that game? It's wild. It's like, like <laughs> or you know, or it's remastered it, and a lot of times the remasters aren't yeah. as good as the original DS one. So it's, yeah, I, I think it's uh, unfortunate in a lot of ways. For me, a big one is Romancing Saga. Um, they tried to do they valiantly, I will say, tried to do a uh, what do you call it, an open world kind of a deal with uh, Romancing Saga two and three. And it just didn't, you know, it it was really awkward and it just didn't work all that well. If you did those games proper with a a real open world as opposed to a 16-bit open world, I think those have a chance of being something new and something fresh and something interesting. Uh, I think those have should be remade. Trials of Mana, eh. I you know I I'm in the I might be in the minority saying that but it's like yeah big resounding meh from the audience here today on Trials of Mana Remake <laughs> yeah. okay well hey I, you know at least uh, it feels like we're on the same page here so far 
right on. Uh, our second question here is uh, Brad from Brooklyn. He's back. He's Brad, and he's from Brooklyn. This guy. Yeah, this guy. This guy. Uh, he says, in the words of Van Halen, what discontinued drink do you wish you could have right now? That was the, the Van Halen thing. Uh, he offers up Crystal Pepsi's poisonous, but well-advertised time on, on this earth was too short for him. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not big into a lot of, uh, a lot of drinks that were discontinued. They've always made water. That's, I've been a big fan of that. Um, I think Surge was a drink I remember in middle school really, really liking. I don't know if it's good or not, but I would try it again. Yeah. That, I I believe that's back on the market unless he discontinues it it again. Yeah. Two discontinues. My gosh. For me, it would be a drink from the early nineties. I believe it was called Orbits. Oh yeah. It was a fruity drink with a bunch of floaties in it. Had the floaties. Yeah. I remember that. I have no idea what you guys are talking about. You guys are on your own planet there. You don't remember floaty drink? You could go to any service station and it was always in the back. There were always a little there's like an inch thick of dust on it because no one bought it, but it was it would That's attract certain kids and uh and his no idea. little floaty things in it. Yeah, that that was that was my jam until we discontinued it and I, I was heartbroken. Yeah. Oh my goodness. No, I have not heard of that ever. Uh I remember having a, a sleepover at uh, when I was like nine years old at a friend's house, and uh, we got like two huge two liters of Crystal Pepsi, and we rented uh, what's it called, um, Populous, and uh, <laughs> Out of This World for Super Nintendo, and you could not have gotten two more esoteric Super Nintendo games at the time because it was just like what the hell are these games what do we even do <laughs> jeez and it's just like uh I'll, I'll never forget that our first impressions of that game were just like what the hell do you do <laughs> and you know we were so confused but um yeah good times but uh yeah i would say crystal but Pe- i didn't think crystal pepsi was that bad uh i think it's just become kind of a meme yeah that it's I mean, that, that's that another bad. one that they just relaunched here last year, I believe. And Oh, no. And, really? Uh, I, I mean, no need for that. <laughs> it, it was very limited. I think there's I, – I, I'm pretty sure I have a photo up of it somewhere on some social media page. But it was uh, – I don't know. It wasn't that great. Yeah. My goodness. I, I actually never tried Crystal Pepsi, so if they did re-release it, I would uh, – hopefully I, I could get a chance to try it. But Oh, yeah. You're, you're going to get in line for that. Uh, no, you know what I wish were relaunched were... Um, Don't tell me Zima. Uh, all the... <laughs> was Zima? No, absolutely not. Zima's terrible. No, when I was uh, in tech school in the early 2000s, um, me and uh, a couple of friends of mine, we would always go down to Walmart and get the crappy uh store brand versions of stuff like mountain dew and pepsi and all that sort of stuff oh yeah they're like a dime each down there that yeah. was a steal of a deal back then yeah we would get and they were called stuff like mountain lightning <laughs> yeah <laughs> and stuff like that so we would get mountain lightning and like two cases of it and it was like eight bucks for two cases of mountain lightning is so pathetic yeah and it was just awful, terrible stuff. It was just like pure corn syrup. Yeah. So I, I, I want more Mountain Lightning. Bring that back. Yeah. You got so it was like Doctor Enough or something like Doctor Dude or they always tried to riff on Doctor Pepper. <laughs> it was. It really was like Doctor Dude or something like that. It was. It was funny as hell. Yeah. It was some dumb name like that. Yeah. 
All right. Well, I, I think that pretty much wraps up the episode. And again, Genovi, thank you so much for, for taking a break from transitioning your entire life to, to come on and chat with us. We really appreciated it. And uh, yeah, we look forward to, to more of your content as soon as you get settled in and ready to pump out some more for us. Yeah, thank you. I, I really appreciate you having me on the show. And it was fantastic being able to chat with both of you after listening to so many episodes. Yeah, right on, man. Please keep listening. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have too many folks listening, so... Yeah, I, I am. You. I'm slightly disappointed that this next episode is going to be me. So uh, <laughs> when I'm out there working, <laughs> I hope I have something fresh to listen to. So I'm, I'm a little bit heartbroken because I look forward to these every single week. <laughs> well, that's good to hear. We'll, we'll record a good intro for you and try to you know make that at least worth the first 15 minutes. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, <laughs> I look forward to that. Breaking breaking the magic already here. <laughs> Pulling back the veil. <laughs> All right, everyone, that has been another Drunk Friend Podcast. As always, you can reach out to us with questions or comments at drunkfriendpodcast at gmail.com. We might even read it out here on the show. Just ask Ryan and Austin. We totally did it. If you want to hear more podcasts from our crew, please check out polykill.com and poke around. Hey, and if email isn't your thing, that's no big deal. But if you would still like to contribute a rating or review on our podcast app, of your choice, that's still going to help us out. So help us out. What's wrong with you? What is wrong with you? You can even find us on social media. On Twitter, I'm at TravPlaysGames. Alex is at SNESDrunk. And Genovi is at Genovi. That is J-N... I'm sorry. That is J-E-N-O-V-I. Yeah, don't listen to Trav. He can't spell. <laughs> as always, we want to shout out the show's theme as composed by our friend Coolor. The track you hear is called Electric Starbounce, and you can find a link to more of his music on the Buzzsprout podcast page. Yes! Nailed, nailed it. it. You got it. <laughs> we also want to thank Josh Lizzie for our thirst... Uh, thirst... I jinxed myself. <laughs> our thirst-quenching logo. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> Next time, man. There's always episode 33. Be ah. sure to catch us on all the YouTubes, and thanks for listening. And we hope you have a great rest of your day, except for Trav. (laughs) Cheers. Cheers.